Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Team Technology Trust, it's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. I'd like to meet you on the radio. We'd love to meet you online, too, at AnnexWealth.com. Our number is 262-786-6363. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, and Dave Spano. Volatile week, capital V or small V, Dave? Well, you know, it, there was a lot of volatility, and I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving, frankly, because, you know, those positive feelings that we have as we head into the holiday season generally spread to Wall Street, but what we saw this past week was what's called a retest of the lows, Derek, and we weren't surprised to see the volatility this week, and you and I had a short conversation about, is this another retest, and that seems to be what we're seeing. It was, and, I, and I'm, sure, I'm not sure we can conclude that it was successful as of yet, uh, but there was a lot of, you know, there's some earnings news that was disappointing. We had a company like NVIDIA report a disappointing quarter, uh, Nordstrom. Uh, Williams-Sonoma, that was on Thursday after the close. We closed pretty well on Thursday evening, but that put the stocks under pressure. But then the president kind of, you know, toned down his, his trade talk a little bit, said the Chinese are eager to make make a deal. I don't know whether that's really true or not. We'll find out towards the end of the month. Uh, so basically things, it closed basically to wash with the S&P down 1.5% for the week mark and the NASDAQ down 2%. You know, Derek, you know, when I think about it, these markets and these retests, they're a pretty natural thing. But I think for investors, people who are listening this morning, why do the markets do that? Why, why do we naturally see retests of, of low spots and high spots in the market? Well, well typically what happens is, is during the initial shock to the downside, there aren't a lot of a lot of orders. There are no price levels that people are thinking about. Stops are getting run, and 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 some folks know to pull their bids. It, it's on the secondary tests that you actually find levels where the people truly are interested in buying stocks. So, for example, the last time down, Apple was trading above 200. This time down, Apple was trading below 190. Uh, so it was much easier for the market to bounce because Apple had also weakened. It's a large market cap company. And the other thing that we do see are their algorithms, and there is computer trading, and these crazy algorithms look for keywords no they do and and i know i sort of have this sort of like diabolical belief that you know donald trump grew up in new york he knows lots of very well connected wall street people i'm sure he understands these these machines and i have no doubt that in the treasury department there are some people that understand that as well so if you want to manipulate markets you post headlines that will will that will lead selling to dry up and buying to resume and vice versa which was one of the reasons why you know in our accounts this week we were waiting for weakness we 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 invested some money when the market was weak, and, and fortunately, we're a little bit ahead 
the game for what we did. But individual stock names, you know, these algorithms look for terms like miss. And so you talked about NVIDIA. And so if you're an algorithm and that's a stock that you own and the word miss comes up, that could trigger some activity. Or lowered guidance or seize margin pressures. I mean, any any number of terms. And, and you know, what individual investors need to understand is that it's difficult to buy a falling knife, but sometimes these knives go way too deep. So, for example, Network Appliance reported a couple of days ago. They they beat estimates. They they actually raised guidance, but they talked about the, you know, the potential of tariffs and the impact it could have on their bottom line. Not that it will or won't. We don't even know where they're going to be instituted. You know, another thing, Derek, when you start to look at these retests, another concept that investors should be thinking about is support, because as those retests happen and the market says, "Yeah, we're sure we want to go forward. Yes, we're sure we want to go forward." That was the the point of correction, whatever the, that case might be. It builds this idea of support for investors that the stock price or the index is going to stay within that trading range. So that's something we look at in the investment committee as well. Yeah, I mean, one of these things that that I look at all the time is average true range, which is basically the average range a particular stock or index trades on a daily or a weekly basis. And when stocks or indexes reach the low end of that range, accompanied by weakness in more general market indices, I feel like that's a potential opportunity to add some exposure. But what I want to uh, separate in this conversation, if you're listening to this and you're driving down the road and we're talking about algorithms and short-term trading, I want people to understand that there is a difference between being a trader and being a long-term investor. Our clients are long-term investors, and this volatility may unnerve some of our listeners, but I don't want them to get caught up in this conversation as, you know, the short-term trading and then scare them away of what they should be doing, which is to be a long-term investor, to have a financial plan, to stay the course and continue to invest. That's the takeaway what I want listeners to hear right now. Thank you, Dave. We're going to take a break. It is ten twelve at WTMJ and Money Talk Annex Wealth Management. Where are we? Well, we've got a bunch of branches. Easy to find. Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton. We're downtown at the Fister. That is our newest branch. And if you're listening to this big WTMJ signal, use Annex everywhere. We can get a hold of you anywhere you're listening via some great technology. Again, that's Annex everywhere. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference, team. Technology Trust. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ, Saturday, November 17th. I'm Danny Clayton. I want to thank everybody that came out on Tuesday night for navigating the markets at the Fister. That was great, Mark. It sure was. We had 100 or so people that came out and... You know, guys, there were a lot of things that drew people to that conversation. Navigating the market was about what next. Now that the election is over, we're looking at what the Fed might do in December 2019, wage inflation, all kinds of different things. But think a little bit about that conversation from Tuesday night and the questions that we got from the people who attended. And it, it was a really nice conversation. It was. And uh, that was a nice crowd that turned out, particularly on a night when there was about 12 degrees, right. uh, filling the room at the Fister Hotel. But the most important piece in my mind was the questions and answers that we got at the end of the presentation, because that's really what people are feeling. And one of the questions that we had is what is going to drive the market going forward? And one of the choices is what is the Federal Reserve policy going to be? And that was a question that we had, Derek. It was. And, and what we've seen with the recent softening in the housing market and auto sales, that the odds for a December rate hike have dropped from 90 percent to 70 percent. So 
I think we can reasonably assume that's going to happen. But more importantly, the odds for future hikes in 2019 have dropped also, 65% in March and then below 50% thereafter. And so one of the things that market participants have been concerned about is that the Fed would raise rates three times next year, irregardless of what was going on with the global economy, tariffs, and the like. So I think that's sort of a positive development. We just need a dovish rate hike in December, I believe. A dovish rate hike is an interesting idea. The fact is, it's still a rate hike. It's what they say afterwards. But, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And we, we become very biased about what's happening in the United States. But there's no question what is happening around the world has gone into the thinking of the Federal Reserve. And just this week, we saw what happened with Brexit. Right. And, you know, and one of the offshots of, of the Fed raising rates has been that the dollar has been very strong, which has a negative effect on the long run on U.S. corporate earnings, but does help with dampen inflation, which again helps fight the, the Fed's battle for them. When well, you think about the Brexit and you're talking about, you know, a couple of really big economies there in the U.K. and Germany, but basically on opposite sides of the conversation as to will it be a hard Brexit or will it be a soft Brexit or will there be no Brexit at all? Right. And right now, if it was a hard Brexit, in other words, there were no trade deals between the U.K. and the rest of the European Union when they left, that may have an impact certainly on the markets in Europe. I agree with that. And the other thing that has happened this week, which we've been watching closely, is what has happened with the oil market. And oil prices continue to fall. We'll start to see uh, lower gas prices, which is, as you call it, a tax cut. But oil in and of itself is something that the Fed is going to look at. Right. So so basically, the environment for inflation has, has moderated significantly in the last several months. At the same time, the U.S. equity prices have declined on fears of rising rates, the belief that rates are going to rise to infinity, essentially. And I don't really see that happening. I don't think our investment committee sees that happening. And basically, the, other, the only other wild card that remains is how, how is this whole trade discussion going to proceed from here? No question. And lastly, I want to get to what's been happening with the FANG stocks. And they have apparently begun to stabilize according to some of the headlines, and we're watching that closely. Well, you know, one of my fears about the market earlier in the year was that, that the performance of the S&P 500 was increasingly driven by these FANG stocks, the large tech names that are big weightings in the S&P 500. And what we've seen recently is a rotation away from growth stocks like those to value stocks. The problem is the markets, because they're market cap weighted, go down as you make that rotation, and that, that has made it very difficult for investors. And I think that's really another question we have to ask. Is growth going to continue to outperform value or vice versa? Is there going to be a leadership shift going to 2019? And one of the holdings we have is RSP, and that has really performed well over the last couple of weeks. Explain to everybody what that is. Yeah, RSP is a very interesting ETF. Basically, what they do is every quarter, they equally weight all 500 companies in S&P 500. So at the end of the quarter, if a stock like Apple goes up a lot and another stock goes down a lot, they'll sell some Apple and buy some of the other stock to make them equal. So essentially, what you're doing is anti-momentum. And during a period where it was a increasingly concentrated leadership in the S&P 500, RSP naturally lagged. So this is an ETF that makes a lot of sense if you believe that there's going to be some sort of reallocation away from technology companies towards energy and financials. So now the compliance guy says that's not a recommendation that every listener go out there and buy that as their, as their loan holding. It's a tactical position within a well-balanced portfolio, Derek, and it's something that is helping our portfolios move along the way. Mark Oswald is the uh, compliance guy. Hangout, guys. Uh, we have more show to come. 
If you've wondered about the phrase aging in place, uh, what is that and how do you do that? Deanne Phillips is next up. We're going to talk about that. Also, Mandy Nowashinsky, who is our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management, is going to talk about tax withholding changes, which could mean some surprises in refunds. That's on the way. Also, another edition of Ask Annex. It's all part of Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. In the 2018 survey of home and community preferences, AARP found that 76% of Americans 50 and older prefer to remain in their current home. 77% would like to live in their community for as long as possible. This is a conversation about aging in place. Joining me, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. And Randy Winkler, Financial Planning Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hi, Dave. Two of the factors that lead to people desiring to age in place are directly related to solid financial planning, and that's what we do here at Annex Wealth Management. Number one, people wanting to live near family. So they're involved in their communities, their children, their grandchildren. It's important to them. Number two, people are carrying mortgage debt into retirement, and some call that an alarming trend. Deanne, let's start with you. What are you seeing with clients who are retiring and wanting to stick around? Yes, absolutely, which is just great for our community, right? But they've got friends and family here, and they want to be close to them after they've got more free time to spend time with them. One of my favorite clients I've worked with for years and years and years, every time we met, he talked about moving up to his cabin in Monaco and retiring up there. Then his grandson was born, and he even brings his grandson to the meetings, and I asked him, well, you're there, you're at retirement, are you moving? He goes, well, he goes, this little guy's really a lot of fun. I think I'm going to stick around for a while. So the plan changed when the family dynamic changed. So, Deanne, is mortgage debt a hindrance to a solid retirement? Well, not necessarily, but it really depends. So there are a couple of things you have to be aware of. You have to be aware of a common vision with your partner, if you have one, for what that retirement looks like. If you both, first off, want to age in place, if you want to stay in there and be carried out at the very end, if you want to be close to friends and family. Also, you have to divide out your, your needs and your wants to make sure that that debt is really going to work throughout retirement for you or for at least the near term. So to make sure those needs, for example, which would include your housing, like it was while you're working, and all the debts associated are being paid for, while at the same time, now that you have more time, you can go on those vacations. You can snowbird if you want. And then finally, you want to think about properly being insured to cover that mortgage debt in retirement in case something happens to one of you. Because remember, if something happens to one, Social Security gets cut by one payment. Randy, you review a lot of plans. When clients talk about their plan, What's our answer if somebody proposes a new mortgage in retirement? Maybe they want to get that place in Door County or, or somewhere. Well, we have to see how it fits into the overall plan. You know, a lot of times it makes a lot of sense to have the new mortgage, uh, to have a mortgage. And it's one of the more interesting discussions to have because it's not purely financial. It also has a very large emotional component. So sometimes we sit down and go through all the numbers and financially it just makes complete sense to have the mortgage. But emotionally, like, I just don't want to have it. I'd feel so much better. I want it to be gone. So we have to weigh both components much more than we do any of the other things that we look at um, involving financial matters. I think do, the younger generation, the younger boomers, are feeling a little bit more comfortable with going into retirement with that debt. Here's a story about the, uh, the emotional component being more important. We did a financial analysis of a mortgage for a client, and it, made, it clearly made financial sense to stick with the mortgage. But the client just said, no, I just really don't want it. It made a difference of tens of thousands of dollars to do to pay it off because it was coming out of an IRA and paying taxes on it. But 
he really felt strongly about it, and he feels great about the decision. So what we try and do is lay out all of the facts and help them to come to the decision that's correct for them. may not be right for the person the next office over, the next house over. The NDC people wrestle with this as well, that they think that they need to get rid of the mortgage. Sometimes there's an advantage. Yeah, I really, I really do see that. You know, sometimes it's that last little bit that we see. It's just that last $10,000 that I want to get rid of. And, you know, when it comes down to analyzing that sometimes that emotional has to weigh over because you remember you're moving into a period in retirement where it's a pretty seismic change psychologically and so every little bit can really help. And Deanne mentioned a term earlier the cost of money. It's uh, kind of a strange term but uh, if you take a look at what's the cheapest cost of this money if you had a lot of money sitting in your your savings account or in a, a currently taxable account might make sense to pay off your mortgage if you're taking it from an IRA and you're paying taxes you might be paying 10-20% more on that money it becomes very expensive but that, again, is not as easy to factor in as the emotional. I, I just want to do it. So, Deanne, part of the challenge of aging in place is mobility, right, and, and health issues. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing homes being retrofit with things like walk-in showers or other adaptive modifications? Sometimes, and there are certainly organizations in town that do that. I'm more seeing a little bit younger people think about that if they want to age in place and when they build, like in their 40s or 50s, building it with those specifications. But I'm also seeing that sometimes a move is easier. So we had a client come in and just was really distraught over all the stuff. A new widow, there's just so much stuff in the house, but really felt moving into this transition in her life, it would be important to make make her life easier. So we found resources to help her bundle the stuff, get rid of it, move it, you know, donate it, get the kids involved, all that. And it was this big relief of being able to go into this new chapter of her life without the the baggage that we've been carrying through life. Good rule of thumb for anyone dealing with anything financial is when you have a life transition, talk to your advisor. It may have nothing to do with your plan, but it may have a lot to do with it. A new job, a new birth, a death, a move. A lot of times there's things that we can talk you through that you may not have considered because we've seen it hundreds of times. So, you know, sometimes as planners, we have to think about the additional hidden expenses in retirement. So some, it might not be so cut and dried. Someone might say, well, it's just a mortgage. I'm paying something now. But they might be forgetting that the added expenses include in retirement as we age, the health care, of course, maybe they'll need a new vehicle. Also, potentially, and we're seeing this, Danny, financial support for aging parents or kids that come back to the nest. Randy Winkler, Financial Planning Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for coming in. Happy to be here. Dean Phillips, always good to see you. Director of Client Learning and Development, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for having me. We talk about team, tech, and trust at Annex Wealth. And there's a couple of our amazing teammates at Dean Phillips who just covers just about every inch of that place. And then Randy Winkler, who's part of our, who really heads up our financial planning department. I just love that department because they're really, and they probably call themselves the geeks. I mean, they take your stuff and that free portfolio analysis and they just, they put it through the system. They see what you've got, uh, what it's doing, and maybe where you can go. And then together with the rest of the team, we do that free portfolio analysis and we can do that for you as well. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Just hit that green Get Started button and that's it. It's just that simple. While you're at AnnexWealth.com, also uh, sign up for Access which is the weekly newsletter. I'm a contributor to that, and so I've got a little skin in that game. But that's absolutely free. Arise on Sunday is a great read. Our locations, Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton. We're downtown at the Fister and Annex Everywhere. If you can hear this radio station, we can take care of you. It's Team Tech Trust. 
From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Earlier this year, the IRS and Treasury adjusted the withholding tables to reflect the new tax law. A Liberty Tax survey of over 1,000 people revealed 70% hadn't checked their withholding over the last six months to see if they were paying enough taxes. Let's talk about that. I'm joined by Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Oh, here it comes for you, yep. right? All right, let's start at the beginning. Give us a quick overview. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Right, so that was passed this last December. So we're almost coming up on one year of the new tax law. And what that means is this is our first filing season with the new tax law. And you've talked about the fact that the IRS has given you tax preparers little bits, dribs and drabs of mm-hmm. information on this. They're still figuring it out, right? Right, they are. The IRS is still figuring out how they're going to enforce this and interpret some of the new laws that are out. But the biggest for most individuals is this withholding that we keep hearing about. Do I have enough without? Okay, and and they made updates to that tax withholding tables. That's what people use mm-hmm. with their W-4 to see how much tax should be withheld. So if I only pay attention to my W-4, if I take a new job, that's a mistake, isn't it? Right. So what also happened, this kind of all happened in February, is they adjust the withholding tables, and they also issued a new W-4. That W-4 says, how many dependents do you have? How many exemptions are you claiming? How do you file? All those normal questions that you usually fill out when you start a new job. What a lot of people didn't do then, come February, is they didn't review what their old one was to what that means for the new one. And that's where some of this withholding question comes into play. You did, I'm sure. We didn't. Well, and that goes to the question. You know, a lot of people get refunds come tax time. What this means for those people who may have just kind of left it status quo, is their refund might be a little smaller, meaning they got the money throughout the year rather than when they file their taxes. Well, here we are in mid-November. Is it too late? You probably have a couple pay periods left, so if you wanted to make adjustments, it'd be a slight for this year. Otherwise, what you're going to be doing if you're a traditional normal W-2 employee is fixing it going forward. So yes, a little bit of time this year. If you find yourself significantly underwithheld, that's when we do some tax planning in December and look to make payments by other means. Okay, and that's regular paychecks. What about like pensions? Pensions, same thing. So pensions operate on withholding tables, just like W-2 working employees do. They also, pension people, may have received bigger checks starting in February because less has been withheld. And that, you know, for people on a pension in retirement, that might be a big deal and a surprise come April if their pension withholding wasn't quite what they thought it was. Same deal with Social Security? Social Security is a little different. Social Security is withheld on a fixed percent. So you would... If you're collecting Social Security, you may have filled out voluntary withholding, and you picked a percent. So that percent is still being withheld versus a pension, which is based on a table, and that table's been adjusted. So there's a W-4-V and a W-4-P. What are those? What's, what's the difference? Uh, the P is for pensions and annuities, mostly people okay. collecting a pension. The other one is for Social Security, and that's why there's a, there's a disconnect between the two and how the, how the withholding is done. You talked about this earlier, but we might be in a season of smaller tax refunds, and that might not go over very well. Right. Some people plan for those refunds. You know, they have it earmarked for, you know, home improvements or, you know, a vacation. They might be a little smaller this year if you haven't taken a look at what your withholding has been year to date versus last year and what the tax changes in tax law mean to you. 
Mandy, you're a tax professional, and even I know this, that it's not so great to get a tax refund. Sometimes it's a built-in savings program, but we've heard this a million times. Right. You're, you're giving the government a free loan, right? Right. And some, like you said, some people, it's it's for savings. And yeah. that's, you know, a lot of times, I, you know, we have similar conversations. I know it's a free loan, but it's for savings. And that's how I save for whatever it may be, come February or, you know, March. Some people I've seen take their refund and they'll put it into a Roth IRA. Great way. I mean, you're forced saving yourself into saving for retirement. If you've got the discipline to do that. Right. That, you know, and that's key. Some people take, like I said, home improvements or vacations are usually the two that I hear about. Well, okay, I don't want to rat her out, but we did have a blood drive at work. And the phlebotomist, the woman who was drawing my blood, <laughs> said, this is what I count on for my fun money. And here I am at, a, you know, Annex Wealth Management is like, you should invest that. But but that she was using that as kind of a, a little bonus. And a, lot of, and a lot of people do, you, you know, during their working years. But now come April, it'll be less. But you've been spending it more throughout the year is kind of the theme here. I got to ask, does anybody get the number right? I mean, how often do you see people pay zero taxes? I've never seen that. So that'd be, you know, your withholding matching up perfectly to what your tax liability is. There's always a, an adjustment that needs to be made. Either via you get a refund or you pay a little income April. Okay, so you're our tax planner here at Annex Wealth Management. Do you, I mean, you, you breathe this, live this, swim this, drink this, everything. Do you have any idea what your taxes are going to look like? Mine? Yours. <laughs> So it's, it's that, what is that, the cobbler shoes right. theory? Yeah, that's kind of what I um, <laughs> I live by. I, You know, I have an idea. I can tell you I did not take a look in February. I took a look at my situation after April 15th in May um, to see, if, you know, am I on course? And I was, you know, I'm on course. But, you know, I'm one of those people that for savings, I, I like my little bit of a refund come April. <laughs> oh, Mandy. All right. Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, Mandy, our tax planner. One of the things, and we talk about know the difference often with Annex Wealth Management, is um, education. We really believe in education, and we have a series called Women, Wealth, and Wisdom, which is conversations community for women of all ages. We've got one coming up in mid-December. You need to know about it. It's called A Woman's Guide to Preparing for the Unexpected. This is about financial awareness and being prepared for changes in life because it happens, right? Talking about transitions that women encounter if you're single or even if you're married. Resources you should consider to be prepared instances of successfully navigating through these transitions and how to start. I mean, really start creating your emergency binder for the future. Deanne Phillips will walk you through this. It happens on Tuesday night, December 11th at our Elm Grove headquarters. Uh, it's a six o'clock, so it's an after work thing. And you can uh, get all of the details at AnnexWealth.com slash events and then go to guide. But we can walk you through that. Again, that's Women's Guide to Preparing for the Unexpected. Happens on Tuesday, December 11th, 2018 at the Elm Grove office for Annex Wealth Management. The website, AnnexWealth.com. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Time for Ask Annex. You can get a hold of us at AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button, and we will take care of you. Derek, got the first one is for you. It comes from D. Will Bitcoin ever be a thing for investors? Well, that's a very complicated question. I mean, as as you may recall, Danny, you know, we've got lots of questions about Bitcoin when it was surging from 10,000 to 15,000 to 20,000. And at that time, we talked about having difficulty 
investing in something we didn't fully understand. But now that Bitcoin has pulled back almost 75% from its highs, you know, there are some that believe it could it could mirror the price trajectory of the Nasdaq, which declined 80% from its peak in 2000 to, to where it settled out. So Bitcoin around 4,000, if, if someone's inclined to believe uh, that fiat currencies will become, you know, an anarchism and that people will choose to use cryptocurrencies in their early and early and everyday lives then perhaps it's worth it's worth a stab at it i personally don't know that it's something i would want to get involved with because i i don't fully understand why someone would buy it other than as a greater fool this is ask annex chris asks i will turn 70 and a half uh, april 2019 will be subject to rmd one question must the rmd amount be taken in one lump sum or can it be stretched out over the year really good question so when you get to that point in time where the government wants to get the taxes that you've been deferring for all these years, you have that required minimum distribution. He's right on right on spot, 70 and a half. The year you turn 70 and a half, you have to start taking those distributions. Now, for most people, they're going to take it between the time they turn 70 and a half and the time we get to 1231. You can take it any way you want to. You can take monthly payments, you can take quarterly payments, you can take one annual payment in December, however you want to do it, it doesn't matter. The government just wants the money out of the IRA. Ask Annex, Bob asks, is tax planning or tax reduction planning part of the services I'd receive as part of the fees taken when using Annex as a wealth management advisor? In other words, would the fee be taken as an advisor include tax planning or is that a separate fee? That's another really great question, Dave, and, and the question really becomes, about comprehensive wealth management because if you look at this as an a la carte type of an approach where you were to say I'm going to pay X percentage for investment management and X percentage for tax planning and X percentage for estate planning that gets to be really difficult so we made that decision some time ago when we developed the comprehensive wealth management approach to incorporate everything into one single fee so when someone gets charged for comprehensive wealth management that's what that means. That is. And so it's very interesting because we see a lot of investment advisors out there today talking about a 1% fee, but it really is an investment-only fee. They certainly aren't giving them estate planning with an estate planning lawyer, tax planning, uh, ha- you know, and they have investment folks who maybe ha- passed their Series 7. That doesn't make right. them a money manager just because they passed their Series 7. What you really want to look at is how people invest money and what is the comprehensive team that's brought to the table. Well, you and I have been doing this for a long time, and we've had the experience of being in a lot of offices and meeting a lot of people in our industry. And one of the things that you say a lot that I think is really, really supportive of the comprehensive wealth management approach is no one person can do all those things. So, you know, God bless the do-it-yourselfers that are out there and some of the people who are kind of tangentially in our industry. But when you're talking about doing tax planning, you're talking about comprehensive tax strategies, comprehensive estate planning strategies. And it's really difficult to find one person who's going to do all those things extremely well. So we talk a lot about know the difference. One of the things that I do know is that I'm never the smartest guy in the room. And you don't have to you don't have to nod right now on the radio, Mark. I mean, nobody can see you agreeing with me. But you talk about people, the talent of those people. You have an estate planning lawyer. You have a CPA. You have a master's of taxation. You have a CFA. You have somebody who's managed billions of dollars in a mutual fund. All of those are brought to the table for every one of our clients. That is a comprehensive team, not to mention certified financial planners and relationship managers that service the account. There shouldn't be hidden fees. There shouldn't be add-ons. There shouldn't be additional costs. And you should work with a fiduciary advisor that's negotiated those things on your behalf so you know what you're going to be charged and you're going to be charged what you expect. 
get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Money Talk, Gannix Wealth Management, Saturday the 17th. I actually got a text during that Ask Annex thing. Can I slip one in real quick? Sure, of course. Okay. Is Social Security underfunded? Is it going to run out of money? Well, you know, we've that's an interesting question. There is a lot of talk about that, and it's certainly a concern for a lot of people because about 75% of retirees only income is Social Security. So it is a major, major deal to watch this. And what we've read about is that the Social Security Trust Fund is getting depleted because more people are taken out than the money is going back in. And that's what people are concerned about. And when you look at that, you say, what is the issue? What if it actually the Social Security Fund actually does run out of money? Does that mean Social Security checks are going to dry up? And that's not the case. And so people talk about that and throw, throwing granny over the side of the cliff. Social Security Trust Fund, even if it went to zero, which is supposed to happen in 2034, even if that happened, that does not mean that Social Security goes to zero. It means that it would get depleted by about 25%. But that's really significant if that happened to people. And what we're talking about at that point in time is more money going out than what's coming in. So there's billions of dollars in that trust fund. And, the, and all that, of course, assumes that nothing happens between now and then. There's a lot of things that could be done to, to shore that up. People right. could be required to work longer. But if those people are getting it already, you're not going to send them no. back to work. So one of the things that you think about it in the in a manner of running your own house, you have revenues and you have expenses. And one of those revenues, of course, is taxes. And what, what could happen is could you raise the Social Security tax going forward? Could you say those people who aren't in the retirement age and aren't getting Social Security checks... Maybe they don't get it at the age that has been promised. Maybe it's another two years out. But a balancing of those expenses and the revenues will extend it. You have to get this what's called the third rail. You have to get Congress to get engaged on it. They don't want to touch it because they don't want to raise taxes, nor do they have the wherewithal to start to have that conversation right now. So it's an important conversation. It's one of those things that we do look at, but it's also a scare tactic. I think what people have to think about is the check will still be there, but it will be reduced. Why do we talk about that right now? Because some of the things that you have to talk about, you're looking at retirement planning. Where is that money going to come from? And a part of it is Social Security, and the other part is responsibility of the money that you put in your 401k and so forth. And I think that's the important part, too, is it's certainly not we're not here Saturday morning to scare anybody that their Social Security check is going to go away. But there is a reality that's out there, and that's what we're trying to point out. And given that reality, especially for younger people or people who are in their 30s and 40s, as we get towards the end of the year, as the tax cuts become real and you start to see what's really in your paycheck, look at your W-4 and look at your withholding because it's possible that you may have to withhold less or be able to withhold less. What do you do with that extra money? Do you put it into your 401k plan? Do you take that 2% raise or 3% raise, whether it's cost of living adjustment or a merit raise, and say, I'm going to take that money and not have it taxed. I'm going to take it pre-tax and put it into my 401k plan. The other thing that's happening in 2019 is the limits on contributions are going up modestly, about $500. But if you're putting money away, go ahead and think about 
going to your HR department and saying, hey, I want to put an extra 30 bucks or 40 bucks a month into my 401k plan. Every little bit helps. And if you're concerned about Social Security, take control of your own future and do that through your qualified plan at work. You know, it's interesting. The millennials take a lot of abuse about, you know, their avocado toast and so forth. But I will tell you, the ones that come in have been responsible about saving for uh, in their qualified plan because they don't want to work their entire lives. And so they have been saving. And I am I am encouraged by what they're doing. Yeah, Danny, you and I both have children that are that took that lesson, you know, and have been hearing that probably all their lives. My oldest son, who's down in Chicago, I know he's in the double figures. I think he's putting away 12%, and he's the age 25. He puts away 12% between now and the time he gets to be 65. Think about the nest egg that's going to be there at that point. Good Oswald boy. Nice. Yeah, the one of them Good. behaves, right? <laughs> one of them behaves. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Dave, how many, you said we have throughout our five branches, how many meetings a week? Oh, probably, you know, in total about 125 meetions a week. Right. So I'm back at the headquarters during the week, and I'm seeing more and more younger people, I mm-hmm. guess younger than me, but but younger people that are coming in and meeting with our staff. And I just love to see that. I almost want to kind of open up the door and say, good job, because yep. not everybody does that. Yeah, congratulations to them. I'm glad they're taking control of that, because that's really this whole point of this conversation, is to take control, use the tax advantages to your benefit, and start to have a retirement plan that works for you. Before we go anywhere, we'd be remiss not to say Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, to all of our listeners, and we're thankful for all the clients that have entrusted their wealth to us in 2018. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.